Why? Because they utilize the technologies and laboratories that afford them insights in how to stay well longer. That's a tiny example of why this actually really works. And the average citizen in today's day and age has the capability to do this for themselves. Welcome to Live Better, Don't Die with Dr. Randy Baggison from Executive Health Group. Preventative care is largely ignored by the American healthcare system, but well visits to your doctor rather than waiting for sickness or disease to occur can keep you healthier longer. Live better every day. Don't die. Live Better, Don't Die is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. In no way should Live Better, Don't Die be considered as offering medical advice. This podcast is to raise the awareness in the general public about what preventative health care is and what our current American medical system represents. Um, most patients that I interact with go to the doctor when they're sick. And I would like to ask them a question, why do they bring their car in to have the oil changed? And why do they do preventative maintenance on their home, yet when they think of their own human life, they only go see a physician if there is a broken issue. Most people do not understand that chronic illness is in 2020 something that can be defined. We can understand your genetics. We can understand high value cardiovascular markers and we can have an impact on the outcome of your life. This is an important topic because humans have been on this earth for a long time. And if you consider your health and consider it in the time that we are living on this earth, I don't know how long we've been here, a couple hundred thousand years, but I think that we've been engineered to live till 30 or 40 years old. What has killed people for the millennia has been starvation and infection. And if you look back in time, just back to 1870, the average age of a man was 43, the average age of a woman was 47. What happened in the mid 1800s? Well, Pasteur developed penicillin. Um, uh, we developed the immunizations for smallpox and measles. We had industrialized farming and the real advent of public sanitation. What did those, what did those events do to human life? Now the average man is living to almost 80. The average woman's living to almost 90. Because we're living that long, the ravages of blood sugar abnormalities, the ravages of vascular disease, the ravages of how these factors affect the cognitive ability of we as humans really matters as time passes. And scientific advancement has come along that if we utilize technology, laboratories, um, our own personal wellness habits, 
you can really have an impact on your overall wellness, just as you would if you think about saving for your retirement. If you wait to save to your retirement till you're 65 and then say, I got to do something, well, you might not be in as good of a position as if you have been doing a little bit of work for an extended period of time and become the benefactor of those savings. So I frequently describe what we do in our practice as we are health asset managers. Many people have a wealth manager. We are your health managers. And most physicians are not trained in preventative health care. Um, I was a business person before I went to medical school. I was astonished that as the medical education system exists, it's really all about pathology, not about wellness. You're not taught that. So moving forward uh, to learn about wellness takes a lot of effort on a physician's part. Um, and physicians are not compensated, really. You know, most doctors are compensated to fix a problem. So what we're going to talk about is why prevention matters. What is prevention? How does this different than most individuals' perception of the medical system? Um, why does this matter for you? Well, it matters the same as it matters to why you want to keep your car running, why you want to save for your retirement. You want to optimize your overall wellness so that when you're 65 and 70, you're out with your grandchildren in the driveway riding your own bike, not sitting in a wheelchair looking through the window at your kids riding their bike. You want to enhance your vitality index later in your own life. You know, I have my own personal story that got me involved in this. I'm happy to share it. But moving forward, it's to tease out what the hell prevention is and why it's important. So I've brought up what my belief is surrounding the delivery of medical services in the United States. The United States is a incredibly technologic uh, medical system, but most of it is for treatment. Um, you know, we spend about 90% of our healthcare dollars in the last two years of life. We spend about 30% in the last two weeks. What we have is an extremely expensive end of life sick care system. Most people don't go to the doctor unless they're sick. So many people, however, are searching for advanced strategies to keep themselves well. Um, and I don't believe that the traditional medical system really serves them well with that regard. Um, if you look at what kills people, 65 out of 100 men and 50 out of 100 women are going to die from cardiovascular disease, a heart attack, stroke. Then comes cancer. Um, many people ask me, my patients ask me, what's my greatest health fear? That's one of the questions I ask my patients. My greatest health fear is that I live and I live long enough, but I lose my cognitive function. I become, I, I experience dementia. I don't want to live 
if my brain isn't working? Well, how does dementia happen? You know, everyone thinks it's an Alzheimer's is the number one cause of dementia. It's really multi-infarct dementia. It's a vascular disease process. And vascular disease and inflammation in the brain can lead to Alzheimer's disease. So that's a lot of words to talk about the plumbing system of our bodies. But our cardiovascular system is enormously important. I mentioned earlier in this discussion that I believe we're engineered to live till 30 or 40. You know, how many organisms on the face of the planet outlive their reproductive years? Not many. But think about humans. Women are born with certain numbers of eggs. And in their young adult life, they go through puberty. And they are fertile and can have children. And then they run out of eggs 45, 50 55 years old. And women live perhaps half their lives without the support of estrogen, an important hormone. Uh, and that's a that's a that's a example of how long we are now living in the modern world compared to how long were we engineered to live for. And this is a very philosophic point of medicine, but it impacts greatly the way I look at practice. And that is, we are now living beyond our engineered life. And so we're all a bunch of Cuban cars driving on the road. And if we're going to be that way, we darn well better be looking at preventative strategies to maintain our bodies. So vascular disease. How the heck does it, how does, how does it happen? Well, you know, people talk about cholesterol. Okay. Cholesterol. Cholesterol has nothing to do with vascular disease. Now I've just shattered a whole bunch of people. Oh, this guy's an imbecile. Okay. Every cell in your body has cholesterol. We talk about good and bad cholesterol. There's only one kind of cholesterol. Cholesterol is manufactured in the liver. It's a fat. We move that fat through our blood system. Our bloodstream is a water-based solution. Our bloodstream and our vascular system, uh, the walls of our vessels are porous to these particles that carry cholesterol. So what really matters is not how much cholesterol is in your bloodstream, but how many particles are carrying it. Now, this is a complicated topic. topic. But without doing advanced lipoprotein analysis on your bloodstream, you're never going to understand what your real risk factor is for carrying your cholesterol. And the labs that we draw in a traditional medical practice are simply not accurate enough to delineate your real cardiovascular risk. So cardiovascular disease. It is a disease of lipoprotein abnormality. A lipoprotein is a particle that carries cholesterol in your bloodstream. Those particles can be lodged in the wall of, of your arteries. And if you live till 30, it doesn't matter. But when you live till 70, it does matter. If they get lodged in the wall of your blood vessel, 
that blood vessel can become inflamed. That inflammation can cause local tissue damage. That local tissue damage can impact and damage the lining of our vessel wall. The innermost lining is like a Teflon coat. If that gets damaged, platelets and fibrin can stick inside the vessel and you can form a blood clot. So heart attacks and strokes are caused by blood clots, not cholesterol. A simple way to demonstrate that is if you get brought into the emergency room and you're having a heart attack, we don't give you medicines called cholesterol busters. We give you clot busters, TPA. And we can really have a great impact and, and reverse an acute heart attack just with, a med with the administration of a medicine these days. But that's not a cholesterol buster, yet everybody focuses on cholesterol and it's the wrong focus. So preventative healthcare in 2020 must focus on your vascular disease risk profile. And to do so, that takes an extensive blood panel that looks at lipoproteins, the particles that carry cholesterol, not just the cholesterol levels. It takes genetics to understand your clotting abnormalities because blood clots cause heart attacks. Most people have watched the show The Biggest Loser. On it, one of the main trainers was a guy named Bob Harper. Bob Harper was 52 and had a huge heart attack. He had it because he had an elevation in a lipoprotein called LP little a. And in 2019, the New York Times wrote an article about him and it said a risk factor that most doctors don't know about. And the New York Times article is right. But yet in my practice, we've been testing that for 19 years because we do preventative health care. But most insurance say, oh, that's an experimental thing. Baloney, it's not experimental. They just don't want to pay for it. And I don't want to get every insurance company mad at me, but you know, frequently their job is to be the gatekeeper of medical spending, not your benefactor for your own health care. That begs a question that I, I know our listeners are probably curious of, and this is just Adam from the control room producer. This is Dr. Baggison's show. I, I want to know, is this something that's accessible to, to just an everyday person? Can I get one of these tests and is it covered by insurance? The answer is it should be. And that's a question for the physician that you're currently seeing. And if they don't know the answer to that, or they don't even know what the test is, I'm going to, I'm going to say immediately, why are you going there? So, uh, I live in a glass house. I just threw a rock and I don't mean to do that because I have practiced in an insurance based medical practice and you kind of do what you're told to get along. So they're doing the best in the system that they're operating in. And some of the, you know, to answer your question accurately is I'm not sure. Um, I know how to do it. Uh, if people call me, I can guide them as far as what they're doing with their physician. That's a tough question for me to answer. And there are doctors who are doing the very best they can try to educate themselves, stay right at the, uh, the cusp of medical information. 
and yet some of us get stuck in the old habits and we get kind of uh, in a in a rut on what we do, both personally and professionally. And uh, and that's kind of where some of these things might get lost. So, I don't, again, everybody's doing their very best job. But, you know, I, I've frequently in my office, I'll, I'll make a little drawing and it'll be of a cliff. And that cliff is you walking toward that cliff. And if you fall off, there's a physician at the bottom of the cliff to catch you and try to make you better. I'm at the top of the cliff saying, no, don't go near the cliff. So, you know, most doctors are at the bottom of the cliff dealing with the ramifications of long-term chronic illness. That's what really beats most of us up. And a lot of it's preventable. Diabetes is preventable. Cardiovascular disease, in my opinion, is preventable. Dementia may be preventable. Cancers may be preventable. But to understand that prevention takes an analysis of genetics, advanced laboratories, and what does all this take? Time. So in my practice, I charge a fee. What's that fee cover? Time. Because you cannot do this in a six or seven minute insurance-based medical delivery system. It just doesn't work. And, you know, whatever my fee is, some people, you know, I've had this conversation. They look at me, they go, I would never pay that. Oh, my God, I have a doctor. I'm getting all of that. No, I might argue that. Yet, you know, they drive a BMW and they bring that into the service port. It's like, well, that'll be eighteen hundred dollars. And without a blink of an eye, sure, fix my car. But when it comes to their own bodies, again, it's just not sometimes the norm. They're not used to it, but I would argue they should be making that investment, you know, early and it's well worth the price. So, you know, why should someone do this? Because do you want to have a heart attack? Do you want to find out that you have an advanced cancer? Do you want to expose yourself to a greater risk of cognitive impairment and dementia later in life? If you don't, you should be asking yourself, are there avenues that I should be exploring that might give me a better outcome in my health later in life? A simple way to demonstrate this is, you know, let's call it presidential health. The average president in the United States lives into his 80s and 90s. Yet, and it's about 10 years past what the average citizen lives. In, in China, the average premier lives 20 years past the average Chinese citizen. Why? Because they utilize the technologies and laboratories that afford them insights in how to stay well longer. That's a tiny example of why this actually really works. And the average citizen in today's day and age has the capability to do this for themselves. Why am I interested in it? You know, you know, my interest in this came at an early age. Um, I always wanted to be a doctor as a kid. And unfortunately, when I was about 17 years old and in high school and, and early college, you know, my own sister, my sister died at 26 of breast cancer. And that really tore my family up and it was a very tough thing to live through. And I kind of ran away from home and ran away from my studies, to be honest with you. So, 
I went, I, I, I watched that happen. Um, and um, I went to medical school late after going into business because I blew my chance early out of high school because of running away from my studies, et cetera. But I went back and I went to medical school from 34 to 38 years old after I had been in business. And so I kind of feel like I use business strategy for the practice of medicine because through my medical education, I was dumbfounded. Everything was about treatment. What is the end stage disease process? There was no training for prevention. And only after I got out of medical school and residency did I really follow my passion of how do I avoid this myself? So frankly, I have designed my entire medical practice for me. Knowing what I know about business strategy, knowing what I know about medical care delivery, knowing what I want for myself for preventative strategies, I have sought out the technologies, the laboratories, the genetics that identify factors that we can all influence through the most basic methods of, frankly, blocking and tackling, as I call it, diet and exercise, and following the right health strategies to enhance the chance that I live longer, I live better, I'm less of a drag on society, uh, and I want to deliver these strategies to our to my patients. And it's it's doable, and I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. I love what I do. I love talking about it. And if you want to learn more, then I hope that we look at specific topics as this podcast series uh, continues with m far more detailed specifics. But the reason to have this conversation is to bring people's awareness that prevention is real. And in 2020, it's prime time for it. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation because at the end of the day, I want you to live better, don't die. For more information, please visit executive.md. And don't forget to subscribe to Live Better, Don't Die on your favorite podcast distribution service. Live Better, Don't Die with Dr. Randy Bagason is a production of Summit Media Podcasting. Live Better, Don't Die is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. In no way should Live Better, Don't Die be considered as offering medical advice.